This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you we had three episodes before we announced our big giveaway and the closure of Chasing Tales. We started with Adam Miller right off the top, uh, and you heard him bust my chops the entire two-hour episode. In fact, I think we set a, a, a record uh, completely unintentionally. I had It was going to be a 45-minute episode, and it turned out to be two hours and 15 minutes, and my wife was pissed that I was still making noise across the hall from my kid who was trying to sleep. So uh, to everybody at home thinking about starting a podcast, consider your home layout that you're about to build because if your wall – share a wall with your sleeping infant, uh, laughter is not conducive. But – I am happy to say that we have got uh, one of the funniest, most enjoyable guests that we've ever had. Somebody that literally uh, I love you guys on social because people will make the post. It's normally other podcasters that be like, hey, what's your favorite podcast episode of all time? Every single year that post somewhere shows up and you guys tag today's guest uh, Taylor from from hell everywhere. I mean, seek one tethered. I mean. Urban Bowman. I mean, the guys everywhere. Uh, only fans, mostly. Only fans. Yep, yep, yep. Fansly, you're on Fansly I'm now a, too. I'm actually honored. I'm the only person on OnlyFans that gets paid to keep his clothes on. Uh, people are so disgusted by me that they just they donate out of sympathy. They're like, dude, don't don't do it. <laughs> keep that belt loop closed. <laughs> oh man. You guys can tell this is going to be a, a funny one, man. I appreciate you. You you are you are busy as all get out. You, you, you there's mounds of paper all around you setting the scene for everybody. Um it's the summertime. Those, are, those are actually Taco Taco Bell wrappers. Uh I just fold them flat to take less space up. So just uh <laughs> yeah, crushing tacos. Recycling, right? Go green. Yeah, it's green. Yeah. I <laughs> If I could only figure out how to get the deer to eat Taco Bell, then we'd really be set. <laughs> well, well dude, thank you for thinking that I'm funny. I, I'm really, I think I'm just funny looking uh, more than anything. So fortunately, your viewers don't have to uh, to be stuck with that and seeing me. And sorry for the audio. I got people coming in and out here. My mom's puttering around. I'm over at my parents' house. 
I don't know what she's doing. She's just puttering aimlessly. Uh, the joy of getting old, right? Well, the, the good news is uh, Chasing Tales is shutting down. So they're already, their expectations for this episode are pretty low. You know, that's good. Then I can help with that because I'm really good with low expectations. That's uh, that's how I convinced my wife to marry me, really. And I have very low standards for deer. You know, it's just all does. That's all I'm looking for. <laughs> like, I don't care if it has antlers. Uh, so, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But, you know, congratulations on the run that your podcast had. I'm sorry that uh, that my bowel movements were the 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 most thought of thing when people talk about your podcast. Um, but that was, you know, that was the first time that I ever shared that story was on your podcast. And uh, it was quite. Quite the uh, the discussion point. <laughs> Do you know what I remember most from editing that podcast? crying <laughs> editing out my crying i had to edit my entire audio track the entire way through normally i can just like i could see peaks and valleys i'm like okay you coughed here go go get rid of this you know and i was laughing so much the entire episode i'm like no one's gonna find this enjoyable there's just a dude wheezing on the other end the entire time it took me so long to edit that but yeah man that uh maybe maybe that being the peak episode is indicative of why we're, we're shutting this down man <laughs> Yeah, screw tips and tactics. This dude uh, pushed putting through a cheese grater in his saddle at 22 feet. <laughs> Just waffle stomp the taco. Oh man! Well, dude, have you have you let up on the deer any up there? Or are you still hunting 260 days a year? Yeah, um, definitely am showing no mercy. We still have an all-out jihad uh, on the deer, but. Um, I have two little kiddos, so my my oldest daughter is five, and my youngest is two, and that has definitely put a dent in the uh, the days on the tree. So I'm I'm still getting out a lot, but uh, probably more like 150 to 175 days a year. Now people listening are probably like, "Holy crap, that's a ton!" Uh, that's not a lot compared to what I was doing. So everything in life is relative, right? Um, so previously I was hunting anywhere from like 200, any fair weather day. Uh, the year that my wife and I got married, I was so terrified. <laughs> it's probably a good, uh, uh, good sign for, for marriage. I was so terrified to like lose my freedom and ability. I was like every, I'm hunting every day. And I literally hunted, if it was not pouring rain or sleeting or snowing, um, I think I hunted like 270 days that year, 250 days that year. So that was a lot. And she still stayed with me. She still showed up. She was that desperate. So guys out there, if you aren't married, find someone that is so desperate to have children that they will settle for you because that's what I did. And it worked great so far. I'm sitting here thinking like I hunted 30 times last year. My wife almost killed me. So like, <laughs> well, but she likes you. My life, my wife likes it when I'm gone. And so oh. is the pool guy <laughs> and the next guy. And you know all the other visitors that come uh, come around. It's Amazon. like deer; they dawn and dusk. You know, they're just poking around the house. I can't figure it out. A <laughs> plumber's been there so often; it just nothing's broken. He's just showing up. <laughs> Be cheaper just to replace the lines at this point, right? Yeah, my uh, my Amazon guy is the only guy who's needed a suspension rebuilt in his van. I don't know why. <laughs> Oh man, I 
I, I hear those numbers and I'm like, I've got to get self-employed or something so I can hunt like that. I mean, that's just. It's a lot. Uh, and, and also, I mean, like I live in DC, right? So it's not like we have amazing weather. It's not San Diego. <laughs> like it's, you know, I, I always joke with people. I'm like, this would be the worst place to work outside. Like if you were one of those guys holding a sign for traffic, mm-hmm. move, you got to go somewhere else because we only have maybe like half a dozen days a year that are like nice weather days. Mm -hmm. After that, it's either your boobs are sweating or your boobs are frozen, right? Uh, Which is my litmus test for weather, right? So it's either I got sweaty under boobs because it's a thousand degrees outside and a hundred percent humidity, or, um, you know, I'm layered up because it's really cold. So we don't have very good, the humidity here is comparable to where you are. It's like just awful, gnarly. Um, Sweltering. Yeah. So when you're hunting in that, you know, like, especially right now. So as we record this, it's almost July 1st. It's like 95 here today. It's hotter than hell. Uh, When you shoot a deer in this weather, like you have to get down right away. Like if there aren't other deer in that family group that you're shooting, you're down right away. You are quartering that deer up and getting it on ice as soon as possible because it will be ruined in a heartbeat. Um, so, and for anybody who's listening, who is not familiar with the way that I hunt or whatever. So I live in the suburbs of DC. We have a major overpopulation of whitetail here. Um, there should be 10 to 12 deer per square mile for our carrying capacity. They're so overpopulated. They literally can't quantify how overpopulated they are. Their best guess is it's between 420 and 430 deer per square mile but I've been told that there are pockets that they've found that are over 600 deer per square mile population. So yeah, it's literally like you hit the anthill and you just see them all wandering around like, like zombie deer. Um, so, you know, we get to hunt year round uh, in this area to help thin out the deer herd. And so an average year for me would, will be, you know, a lot of deer um, harvested. You know, I, I, you know, shoot a lot of deer, which is great. Uh, and we donate them all to feed the homeless with. So we have this great system here in Northern Virginia where we're able to help feed the homeless with an overpopulation, overabundant species, and also help thin them out. But, um, you know, people are like, oh man, that must be awesome. It's like, yeah, it's great. Like, I'm very thankful. I'm very lucky to be able to hunt you around. It's not that great. You know, it's a job. Uh, it, it You have a lot of I mean, there are times I just like, I'm in a tree, you know, like it's hot. I'm listening to these people like grill a steak. It smells delicious and you're sweating and, you know, whatever. So um, it, it it's definitely more work, but it's something that you need to do. And we as sportsmen need to do to help thin the deer out. But um, yeah, find a wife that wants you out of the house and you'll spend plenty of time in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> do Do you feel like... Do you feel like when it comes to the moment of truth that you're just stone cold at this point? Like when you draw back on a, on a, on a doe, I mean, you probably shoot what 30 does a year. Uh, like triple that Christ Jesus. Okay. So carry the seven. plus. (laughs) (laughs) So like, is it just, is it just work at that point? Is it a chore or do do you like still, I, I will never shoot a deer. I still get butterflies in my stomach after every deer that I shoot. And I've, I've shot over like a thousand. Right. And I, I really try to not quantify the number of them. Cause I feel like, uh, like a grubby frat boy. That's like putting notches in his headboard. 
Um, you know, like it, I don't lose the, it, it, it's never lost on me that like you're taking a life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm trying to do that as professionally as possible. So when I flip the kill switch, like I'm locked in and, and I'm going through my process. I have a very strict process that I follow. Once that arrow's gone and like you watch that deer crash, I get the, the big rush, uh, the butterflies. If I ever shoot a deer and that is lost on me, I will not shoot another deer. Like I just, I feel like I will have crossed into Jeffrey Dahmer world where I'm taking pictures of them and watching movies. So I, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping that bottled inside, but um you know, so yeah, I still feel that range of emotion. And I think that a lot of that comes from like respect for the animal and, um, and just, you know, realizing like what you're doing, but uh, it's great to to see that meat, go to a good home, go to a good place. I get um, like, I have a community of people that like to take deer from me, um, large Hispanic population. I get these notes in Spanish and I'm like translating them. Like people are very thankful for this meat. Uh, especially now with with you know the mm-hmm. current state of pricing on everything like it's yeah. nice to get a meal on your table um especially organic like the healthiest meat that you can eat yep. uh, it doesn't have cwd and um you know and, and be able to feed that to your family is pretty awesome do you feel like it's made you a more efficient hunter when it comes to like the big moment on a buck? Like did by, by, cause everybody says, you know, <clears throat> you got to shoot enough deer before you can kind of like work through your process. And so like, for me, I just see an opportunity for you to have that process just like ironed out. Obviously there's still emotions. And then like you said, everything there, but do you feel like with those numbers, you are more lethal or do you feel like you're about where you were a thousand years ago? No, I'm, I am a, uh, I'm a lethal mofo. Like I'm, uh, I'm very aware of, of the lethality that I bring to the table in the sense yeah. of like, like when that flip switch gets flipped, um, something's dying and it's dying mm-hmm. more often than not, like what I would consider perfectly. Right. Which is just like you, you can read that deer's body language. You watch them work in, you kind of go through your process, you shoot them at the right time in the right place and you just watch them pile up. I think out of all the deer I shot last year, only maybe one or two died out of sight for me. Um, mm-hmm. And that to me is like the best sign of, of ultra lethal. I hunted with a guy in Oklahoma uh, two years ago and had, had a bunch of deer work in, ended up shooting this buck and uh, we got down and he was like, dude, that was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. And I was like, what was that? And he was like, he's like, you just killed him. He's like, He's like, you just knew when to kill him and you didn't F around and you killed him. And I was like, well, that's what we're doing. <laughs> like, That's why we're here. Right. And um, but what he was getting at was like, he's like, some guys don't know like when to draw or they get all shaken up. And like, you know, by I'm very fortunate that I have that process down to a T and, um, you know, it's not until after the arrow is gone and the critters down that you're like, right. OK. Now I have to drag this 38 feet back to my truck. Ugh. <laughs> right. So it's a, it's a good thing to have all that practice for sure. And if anybody's out there that is like a newer hunter or, or yeah. has had a lot of experience, like you just need to get out there and get in the woods and like be around deer and figure out like what body language equals what reaction and, and I mean, just immerse yourself into 
the process because that's the only way that you can learn. Like you can watch a ton of videos and 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 read a bunch of stuff, but like without doing, it's very hard to to pick up and learn it. Yeah, and I can look back on you know I've killed maybe I don't know thirty deer since I seriously started deer hunting back in like two thousand and eight, and so I remember distinctly the moment where it became a method adrenaline rush everything it wasn't it wasn't you know uh uh careless or or callous i should say um but i distinctly remember the moment i drew back the deer dropped and i went that was the process like my biggest like this one i hear on the wall punch the trigger i'm talking like if i i pushed the arrow through the bow like it was just it was terrible right and i and i hit him in the liver luckily he was at 10 feet or 10 yards under my tree did didn't really matter right he just he dropped but you know Ever since then, I wounded another deer bigger than him the very next year, and that like rocked me. I didn't hunt the rest of the year. I just shot my bow, shot my bow, shot my bow, and it was that following year. I killed like three deer, bam, 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 and well, it wasn't the following year. It was a couple years later because I switched to public, but I killed two or three deer, and it was just rapid fire like process, and I fall apart afterwards. I mean, I just completely like can't even get out of the tree after it's just a yearling, you know, but up until that moment, it's all business. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, I'm a very systematic person. I think you are as well. Um, so like, that's just how my brain works. Like my gear in my truck, super systematized, like the way it is on my body, the way it goes in my backpack, the way I climb a tree, like everything is, is systematized. And I mean, that's just, is how mm-hmm. I am. That's how my personality is. But um, I really think you need that for when you're, when you're going to shoot a deer and I'm not talking about like a robot where you're like, pick up bow, turn left, you know, but like know when to draw, don't force it. And then, you know, have that shot process to go through subconsciously is very important to have um, in order to have the desired outcome that you want for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's acquired though. You're right. Anybody listening, you just got to be around deer. You just have to learn when you can get away with what you can get away with and kind of, predict their moments what what's the biggest deer you've killed buck wise urban hunting because when you say that many deer, um, i think like tiny little deer yeah we don't have we have very poor quality of deer we have very high quantity of deer um we have nothing like what like lee and drew have in atlanta when it comes to the the bucks that they're able to get on um so I, i we do get the occasional like 160 you know plus or minus like maybe low 170s that'll pop up generally here the average size of property that i'm hunting on is um i mean they're as small as a quarter acre but it's more around like a half acre property um and so it's just really hard to pattern a shooter buck and have them pin down to that hundred and you know or excuse me like that that half acre property like they might come through you might get a trail camera picture of one mm-hmm. you might come running through when they're running he might not he might be a whole county over you know like if if we were able to bait here uh or have some like food source that that was sustainable for the deer uh that can make it easier so you get a crack at them like early october when the acorns are dropping you might be able to get on one uh and whack them but at the same time, like you're talking about a half acre, like think about how well, you know, your yard. Okay. Imagine if somebody was in your yard trying to kill you 
yeah. and you were like navigating around. You're like, oh, that's out of place. Oh, that's not where, you know, oh, something smells bad up in the tree. Oh, yeah. You know, so it, it's it's very difficult to get on uh, big deer. I mean, you can shoot like a high 130s, low 140s every year. Those are pretty much like around. So, um, you know, Pope and Young gear, no problem, I'd say. But like a, a true like mm-hmm. 160 slob, not really present. Very difficult. So it's it's interesting how it tops out because when you said not very big, I'm thinking okay, 80 to 100 inch deer. Because I grew up in Southeast Georgia. Are you familiar with the Barrier Islands in Southeast Georgia? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so they're woefully overpopulated, and we're talking like little basket racks, like yeah, like this, you know. And and you're like, yeah, you know, 120s. I'm like, oh my god, like that's awesome. <laughs> so much of it depends on the browse, right? Yeah. So like in Georgia, where roses where... versus azaleas. Exactly. <laughs> Taco Bell wrappers. The um in, in Atlanta, like where Lee and Drew are hunting, uh, from the Seek One guys, like all that kudzu, kudzu is like the most perfect mm-hmm. deer habitat ever. It's they can get in like the little kudzu cave and they lay there. There's no stress on them. They can just eat them. It's got the perfect blend of carbs and protein, like the best food source just so happens to be super invasive and can't put it anywhere. So like uh, that versus here, it's just like mediocre woody brows in between azaleas and, um, you know, people's ornamental plantings. So there's just not a ton of like really good brows for them to grow into. Plus I think they're like highly stressed out. Um, They, they generally have, a lot of pressure on them they're always getting bumped around like there's no true like sanctuary for them to go into and just hang out like you got dogs chasing them or you know people you know mm-hmm. walking through the woods or whatever so um i think that really is detrimental to their to their antler growth as well it's funny the way you describe them i almost like and this is really demeaning to the whitetail but it almost feels like they're rats like they're just they they're are. just People, there's actually a really uh, a funny, like, old lady whose property I used to hunt on uh, who's very wealthy, and she was like, oh, they're just rats on stilts. Like, kill them all. <laughs> that, that, um, that phrase, like, stuck with me as far as, like, rats on stilts, right? And But that's, that's kind of what they are. Like, they're just, yeah. they're grossly overpopulated. There's no predator for them um, other than your car. And... Uh, um, you know, they're, it's pretty to see one or two. It, it's funny. So, like, this area is a highly transient area, very common for, you know, people to move in, move out. And a lot of the properties that I have permission on will change hands. And so anytime somebody comes in and buys it, I go over, I give them my card, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm the deer guy. Give me a call if you have any questions. You know, I used to hunt here or whatever. And um They'll be like, oh, you do what? Like, no, we don't want anybody hunting the deer. And I'm like, just keep my card. Like, please, um, you will call me. And without fail, within six months, they have called me and they're like, kill them all. So what will happen is they'll move in. They'll be like, oh, this place doesn't have any bushes. Like, we need some landscaping. And they'll spend a ton of money on landscaping. The deer will flock to it like it's a CC's pizza. They'll smash everything. And oh, CeCe's. Dang it, man. I'm so hungry now. I forgot about that place. 
<laughs> well, yeah, because you've been out of college for a while, you don't have to pay three dollars for all the all you can eat pizza. Um, oh. But yeah, it, it's uh, you know without fail that's kind of the the cycle that we see. So um, it they just the rats. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. Now, does your card say literally the deer guy? <laughs> yeah, deer <laughs> removal dude. <laughs> deer removal dude. <laughs> So follow-up question to that, and then I'll quit peppering you with uh, these these super intense topics. But uh, That's your job, man. It, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for much longer. But um, all right, so you kill all these deer. You have to have an opinion on broadheads. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me. Like, the floor is yours. Like, what do you want people to know about broadheads? Um, well, so, like, a broadhead is a tool, right? And uh, your tool needs to be the right tool for the job. So for me, when I'm hunting on a very small piece of property, um, I want the biggest hole possible. So like, um, I kind of went through a, a phase where I was shooting like a really big expandable, uh, expandables are awesome unless you hit bone. Right. And, um, what I then transitioned to was like a really large four blade cut on contact, um, you know, fixed blade head, because what I can do with that. And, and now this is a hyper, uh, like specific use for me, because what I'm doing is I never shoot deer over 20 yards. The majority of the deer that I've shot have been between like 11 and 14 yards. So I can be very accurate in, in my shooting. And I'm like, I'm super uh, hyper-focused on like the tune of my bow and being as proficient as I can be. So, I mean, I literally am picking the hair that I want to smash. But what I like to do is when I have a deer that is on a tight property, I will shoot them with a large fixed blade broadhead. And there are two that I absolutely love. Um, the best bang for your buck out there is the slick trick grizz trick too. You can buy four of them at freaking Walmart for like used to be 35 bucks. Now they're $42 or whatever, but it's a four pack mm -hmm. and they have a lifetime warranty. People don't know this. If you hit a rock with a slick trick, you can send it to slick trick and they will send you four broadheads, which is awesome. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I've stopped sending them my broadheads because I'm kind of worried I might have a line item on their financial statement. Um, but I mean, absolutely best head ever because that's an inch and a quarter by an inch and a quarter, right? And so you're getting a two and a half inch cut uh, in a in a chunk. So it's like literally like a Coke can going through as opposed to a two blade, which is like a, a, a sliver. Um, and so what I will do is I'll put that shot very tight to the crease in their shoulder and, or actually pin it through their shoulder and it cuts all the ligaments for their legs and, and also, you know, double punches the lungs, but they will snowplow about 20 yards and dead. So like you're using their chest as an air brake basically, as opposed to like, if you hit them low and in the heart, they get an adrenaline dump and their, their lungs are still functional to where they can run like 200 yards. And I'm sure we've all seen those uh, posts online where people are like, oh, a center punches deer and he ran forever. Well, yeah, it's because their lungs are still functioning and therefore their muscles are still working. Whereas like if you blow it through 
the the smaller part of their scapula and you're cutting all those ligaments, their legs won't work and they're just they they literally snowplow and die. Um, so as far as broadheads go, like when I go hunt somewhere where I'm gonna have a longer shot, I might put a mechanical head on because I'm not gonna air towards the side of of bone. And so I want the most forgiving head that I can have as far as like cutting diameter and flight. Uh, but for very like for the urban hunting that I'm doing, I absolutely love a big fixed blade head to where I can blow through some stuff. And I'm shooting a 550 grain arrow. I'm a really big guy. I have a 30 and a half inch draw length. Like I'm not uh, I'm not like looking for more speed. Right. I'm able to use a lot of that kinetic energy and momentum to like blow through whatever I want. And um, big fan of that. So. The, the Slick Trick Grizz Trick and um, the Method Archery VBS, I love the VBS head with the big uh, blades on it. Or that's what I've been shooting. And um, I did some testing for Method last year when um, when they were playing with that head. And I every deer I shot with it, I watched fall over dead. Um, and I shot a couple of coyotes with it too. And I was like absolutely blown away with, with that head and the performance of it. What was the most disappointing broadhead you've used to date? Uh, the severs. I thought the severs like sucked. Um, oh, that's like the most polarized broadhead. There's no in between. It's like everybody adores them or they fail miserably. If they adore them, it's just a matter of time until they fail. Uh, I personally think. I think their design, the way that that bit, that blade articulates, uh-huh. creates a really steep blade angle uh, into like new flesh. And so it just helps slow it down. So very poor penetration. Um, I shot a pile of deer with rages. I helped rage with the initial hypodermic, and that was a really, uh, really good head. Um, but I prefer like a th- a three or four blade chunk as opposed as opposed to like a, a sliver. Um, the reasoning behind that, like if you think about like the Geneva convention back in the day, like there's a reason you can't have a triangle shaped object in warfare, right? That it's like not fair. Like that's what I want. I want the biggest chunk, the biggest cutting diameter I can make uh, for maximum blood loss and surface area of of cutting. Um, As far as other disappointing heads, like I don't really like any over the top mechanical heads. I think those are a, a silly design. Um, you know, Levi gives me shit about that because he loves the his schwacker head, but I just don't that doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't want a small entry hole that is then opening up. I want that large slap cut. Um yeah, really the severs are really disappointing. Anything with like a long feral, I'm not really a fan of. Like I never got into the um like the Grim Reapers or anything, and I know I know a lot of guys have shot those. They love them. Like, awesome, man, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, I think it also really depends on um, on the, the shooter and, like, having proper form. Um, I had uh, I had some prototype heads from a company that I, I won't say that uh, I was – I shot a deer, and this deer was at, like, 19 yards – and I tested this head on my target. It was flying well. And I shot this deer and I could see the arrow like corkscrew out of my peripheral vision. 
and it stuck this deer in the spine. And I was like, holy shit, right? And so I just started emptying my quiver and porcupine this deer. And um, I'm like, what in the hell happened there? And so I go to my target at home and I shoot at 30 yards just to see the arrow flight. And it's like, boom, bullseye. And I'm like, man, that's weird. And so like, I'm going to see how this thing like responds to a little bit of torque. And so I took my bow and like this added like literally three degrees. What, what I was thinking was about three degrees of torque. And that arrow went and flew off into the woods behind my house. And I was like, oh, my God. First, then I realized I just launched an arrow at ground level with a broadhead on it, like back into the woods by my house, which is no bueno. But then on top of that, I was like, I couldn't believe how negatively that arrow and that broadhead combination reacted to like just a tiny bit of torque. Um, and it, it was a large fixed blade head that had a lot of surface area on it. And so it was pretty obvious as to why that happened. So that quickly uh, had me add a new test to my, my, my broadhead testing before I took it out in the woods. Cause um, you know, I, I, I have a lot of friends in the industry and people reach out to me cause they know that I shoot a lot of deer. And so what better way to get real world testing than, you know, send me a couple and let me whack some critters with them. But um, I, I, I was very disappointed in that head to see it flew like that. That was the last I, I hunted with that one. But um, yeah, I haven't really had many disappointments. I mean, a, a properly placed broadhead works pretty well. I shot a um, shot a really big buck one year for here that was like high forties, low fifties, eight pointer. Uh, he was hard quartered away, and I hit him right in the crease, and the arrow actually came out his neck. And he survived, um, which is like insane. I have these pictures of him with this like big hole on his neck. And it was just a a smaller fixed blade head. And I think he just got like super lucky that it somehow missed his, I think he was hard quartered away and I hit him just far, far, far enough forward that it didn't get his near side lung and then blew out his neck and didn't get any of his like, you know, goodies. And, um, he lived, my buddy actually ended up gut shooting him like, uh, three months later and he died in the Potomac river. And so nobody got him, but, uh, really unfortunate in the story, but uh, I have some pretty impressive trail camera pictures that like, if I showed you where I shot him, yeah. where the air, entered and exited you'd be like there's no chance that that deer lived and uh unfortunately for me he did <laughs> but that have... that was and i stopped shooting smaller fixed yeah. blade heads. like i i want uh i want the maximum forgiveness in flight so like i want it to be as forgiving as possible for for its flight uh characteristics and then i also want it to be uh forgiving from the sense of it's got such a big cutting diameter that if i'm off a little it makes up for it and catches some goodies um i loved the ramcat heads i shot a lot of deer with the ramcat the 125 grain mm-hmm. uh, the only problem with that head is like that sweat back design is kind of a pain in the ass so like there's some potential that it can have interaction with your riser shelf which really bothered me and then the fact that they have these little tiny Allen head screws that are counter screwed in there. And so because that head is so big, like I literally could not put my fingers around it like that. Um, but because it's so big, when you're pulling it out of your quiver, 
if you catch a little bit of that blade on there and angle it back, it'll actually turn the screws like a counter turn, which is enough to have the blade be loose. Uh, so that, that was like total, total deal, break, deal breaker for me. Um, I had a little Allen key, like electrical tape to the top of my quiver for a while <laughs> when I was hunting with those because uh, they fly great and they're silent in flight. But really the the slick tricks and the, the method had are just, they're hard to beat for me right now. I actually shot uh, like half a dozen deer with one of those G5 Mega Meats last year, and that head's awesome. Like if I was only shooting like two or three deer a year, I I would definitely consider putting those in the quiver because like they're kind of a one and done head or you can put replacement blades on them. But um, I really liked everything about that head. Um, and durability is something that I factor in because I'm reusing a lot of these heads. So like, it's pretty common for me to have a glass of bourbon and sit in my man cave and like sharpen up a bunch of blades from time to time to, uh, to get them back into operating order. You know, it's funny you talk about that. You you went on such a similar journey. I have the exact same experience with the small diameter fixed blade that you just talked about with that deer. He was quartering away, not hard, but he was quartering away, and he brought his sh- his arm forward, and I hugged the shoulder real hard because it's like for the exact same reasons you talked about. And I think because he was quartering away and he had that shoulder forward, it kind of drifted my point of impact forward, went in behind the shoulder, came out the neck blood everywhere i mean just bled like a stuck pig the blood trail ran out the dog chased him for a while and i was like okay we're never gonna find him and so i come back at the end of the season in like january february pulled the trail camera and here he is coming past and he's got this huge gaping wound on his neck i'm like any day now he's gonna quit showing up on this camera and you slowly saw the wound start to close up and heal and uh he's a nice little basket rack eight he's kind of great little deer now um i just kind of quit hunting that area but it was so impressive to see him survive because like if you asked me to surgically do that like i don't know that you or i could actually have accomplished that because everything it went through like the, the odds it didn't hit something was crazy but um yeah you have the trail camera for, to prove it and everybody can't you know has to just kind of gawk but you talked about that square that chunk i was a two-blade rage schwacker kind of guy um yeah. until somebody told me about the four blades and what what was described to me was i i always killed my deer i never had any problem finding them but i never got that like bloodbath trail that you could just follow without having to like really look killed like 15 deer with my bow and i never got much in the way of that and an older fellow told me he said okay if you take a, a, a flat wound and you push to the side you can stop the bleeding right he goes yeah he says, so every time that deer brings his shoulder back at some point it's closing that wound he goes now you take a circle Every time you squeeze it, something is always open, no matter what. And the first time I shot one with those Grizz tricks, um, it was just a line of blood as far as you could see. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is what it's supposed to be. And it's only inch and quarter. But like you said, it's an inch and a quarter one way and it's an inch and a quarter the other way. And there's never any compressing it. And I have had absolutely no problem recovering deer with those broadheads up until now. And I bent one of the ferals and I sent it back and they did send me a whole pack of four as a replacement. It blew my mind. Yeah, they they're really good about it. I actually have reached out to their like just standard customer service uh, a lot. Well, like overheads that bent or whatever, yeah. and uh, it's not even like oh hey like Joe in marketing dude that I know. It's just like their regular customer service, and they are so good. Like instantly, something is here the next day, um, and it it just works out great. So like I can't speak high enough 
uh, about those heads, like the slick trick in particular, the Grizz trick too. I really like that the feral is a little longer on them. And so it creates a, like a, a little more of a ramp up to the head. So like you get that initial pin prick and then it speeds up. But I mean, I have a pretty big fist and um, I've shot a lot of deer with those heads as it cramps up. And I feel like uh, <laughs> my hands do like this weird cash of clay thing right now. But um, I feel like I've been able to put my fist into the hole that those heads make very easily. Like the slap cut that it makes creates a much, much larger hole than a two and a half inch, um, you know, broadhead wood. So I, I really just love the Grizz trick too. It's durable as shit. Mm-hmm. It can blow through a shoulder. No problem. Like hard, hard to beat that head. So let's, let's shift gears. The lockdown saddle comes out in a week. You're going to be, and I just realized this, you're going to be the, the last tethered guy on chasing tails. I guess that's not true because I'm a tethered guy, but you'll be the last guy from tethered to be on the show. Um, did you get to hunt with it last year? Oh yeah, it's as sweet as it looks. It's awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing how comfortable it is, and and what's beautiful is the design of that lockdown saddle allows it to pull back up tight to where there's really no issue in walking in. Whereas um, you know other saddles that aren't as compact you know it's a detrimental to walking to climbing etc like it's in the way this is not the case and the it's funny the pockets on the lockdown like once you get past the comfort level and how comfortable it is the pockets are exceptional like they are so 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 good um the ability to just open them up like i found myself running a lot more stuff full time in my pockets mm-hmm. because of how easy it was to to just keep it there and you don't even realize that it's there. Um so yeah, it it's exciting to let the public get to buy this saddle and mess with it because it is that good and I think that the initial feeling that people got uh when they first got into a saddle with the freedom and the comfort is going to happen all over again with the you know, just the subtle tweaks to it are really, really, really special. I think what I like most about it when Greg first sent me the design, I don't know how long ago. Uh, I have a two-year-old at home, so time is just fluid. Yeah, time, time is not real. <laughs> it's not real. You know, the only time is, is is it is it snack time or is it nap time? Those are the only two times yeah. that really matter. Or uh, there it's full time. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he sent that to me. And when I first saw those pockets, my first thought was, wow, those are huge. Those are way too big. And then he started showing me pictures with like it on him Uh, and Greg's a me sized guy, right? We're both hobbits. And so it's like, okay, this is not as big as I thought, but what you just said is what I'm really excited about. I've got a Sony ZV one. I've got a micro arm. That's really, really small. I'm kind of banking on the fact that I, and I'm, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to gear layout. Like you talked about, everything goes back in its place. I hate the fact that when I'm climbing the tree, I have to take my pack off and like get the get the arm out and it's like even if i have to stitch something to the side where i can put that 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 uh arm i think i won't have to but be able to go up the tree and the only time i take my pack off is whenever i'm literally putting it on the tree to to get you know finally set up i am really looking forward to that dude i this is going to be i like my system to be as repeatable as possible you i could be blind and i could climb the tree kind of situation you, you have that's what you have to have i mean like for me i feel like i'm subconsciously climbing the tree like it's just 
You know, I'm like a lemming, like duck and duck and duck and duck and just because you've done it so many times. But that's the key to having the same thing in the same position every single time. So you are able to have that repetition because mm-hmm. that's what keeps you quiet. That's what keeps you safe. Uh, when you're like fumbling around, you got crap everywhere. That's no good. Um, and so to have those pockets and have the ease of getting stuff in and out of them, the mm-hmm. access and the organization it is not just a marketing ploy. Like it's really, really, really helpful. Yeah. I was last year, every year. I mean, you don't know anything about this cause you hunt year round, but for me every year, there's always like this rust. I have to knock off on the front side of where have I put things from the year before. Um, and it seems like I always put my stuff away the laziest, the very last set of the season. I'm just like, <laughs> screw it. I'm done. Right. Um, but I'm just talking Bird. to my buddy. Huh? It's like burned in a pile of ash. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, that's, that's my hopes and dreams. My hopes and dreams yeah. are burned in a pile of ash. Um, <laughs> but I was on the phone with my buddy. I'm on my, on my AirPods and I'm driving to the, to the, to the location and I'm talking to him and I get out and I took, I brought my tone down because he kept saying what? And I kept repeating myself. I didn't realize what I was doing. I got all the way there. I climbed the whole tree, got my whole thing set up. Like I probably should get off the phone now. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I should probably get off the phone. I'm, I'm in the tree. He goes, when did you climb the tree? It's like, I guess I did that like 15 minutes ago, dude. Like I had to go. And so like I hung up and the doe walked out and I, and I, and I, and I shot her. But it, when you hit that point where you could be carrying on a conversation with somebody about something, I mean, we were, you know, debating, I think whether or not Georgia would win another national championship. And I say that only for the context of anybody who knows me and knows this podcast, I'm all in on UGA. So that was full solely my focus. If I can climb that tree without somebody realizing that I'm huffing and puffing and frustrating or making noise. I mean, clearly I'm in a good spot there. So that's the kind of system people need. I just hope to get in good enough physical shape at some point to be able to walk without huffing and puffing. It's not possible. It's a myth, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I shot, I shot a little tiny. Is, Go ahead. The, say the problem is that uh, people decided that their fist was better suited into my nose a lot back in the day. So it's a little hard to breathe out. <laughs> I don't have that excuse. I'm just a fat ass dude. I mean, I'm just, it is what it is. I'm, we were dragging up this tiny little six point. It might've been a hundred deer, hundred pound deer. And it's me and my buddy. And we have to drag it seven tenths of a mile about halfway through. He's like, dude, we have to stop. I'm like, no, just keep going. He's like, dude, you are wheezing so hard. I was like, dude, this is me <laughs> breathing. I just need you to stop pointing it out. Like we'll get there, you know? And we get, we get like almost to the end and his brother's coming down the trail. He's like, dude, stop. Are you okay? I'm like, I'm just breathing. I was like, okay, yeah. I got to start losing some weight, man. This is, this is ridiculous. I'm just living, man. This is me. This is my normal, my normal self. <laughs> I redline all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Garmin loves me. I'm like a total metric for them. <laughs> They don't even count my metrics. It throws every, all their statistics out of whack. Yeah, you know, this guy's got 160 resting heart rate. He's going to die any minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, I'm I'm excited for you guys. I know you've got that. You got a couple other things coming out this this fall. I mean, I love how you guys have like never stopped. Like, and and, and, and for you, going, it has man. to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just uh, it's all the stuff that we want to hunt with, right? And um, and that list keeps growing. So, I mean, I figure if if we want to hunt with it, and uh, and the brain of Carl is coming up with it, and you know all the other guys on the team, then it's it's the right stuff. We definitely have some really exciting stuff coming out uh, here in the very near future that um, will blow people's minds. How near? Uh, before September first. Okay. All right, so really near. So like 
shortly after we shut this thing down. You guys are going to have to tune in to the Tethered YouTube channel. <laughs> if, hopefully you see it. Otherwise, we have done a terrible job uh, marketing yeah. <laughs> in front of everybody's eyeballs very well. Yeah, man. You, you realize that was four years ago when we talked the first time on the podcast. That's crazy. Tethered um, wasn't a thing. I know. It, we So we just had the the technical five-year celebration for Tethered. Um, and it's just been absolutely insane to see just saddle hunting in general pick up. But also, I mean, I think you were like maybe the second or third podcast that I ever had done. Really? Uh, yeah. So uh, it it's really kind of cool to see, you know, how far you know everything has evolved in in four years is pretty crazy at least we've gotten to the point now where uh not a lot of people reference my uh my sky dump <laughs> as <laughs> as they used to dude I, I was i was hunting on the side of a tree last fall and i was i was sitting there and i almost trusted a fart and I Never thought to that. myself, I, I almost thought to myself, I made a promise that I was like, if I shit my pants in this saddle, I will absolutely <laughs> have to eat it and not the shit, but I have to eat it. Yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to own it is what I should say on the show, yeah. uh, the before and after uh, component there. But yeah, it's crazy, dude. I, this community has gotten huge and I keep expecting it like partially to top out and like fizz just because of the explosion. Um, but I think because people like you are a part of that movement and what's going on, I mean, it just, I don't see how the momentum can stop. You guys continue to find ways to innovate in a world where it feels like a lot of other people are just mimicking you afterwards. You know, there's just not a lot of innovation, but you've got the perfect meld of guys who just like to tinker guys who put in enough hours like you to find the flaws, right? might take me three years to find some of the flaws that you have just because of the sheer volume of reps that you have. I, I think, okay, it's hip pinch. Uh, it, maybe I'll work through it. And three years later, I'm like, no, this is a problem. Whereas you, you're like <laughs> the month of August, you're like, we got to fix this right now. This is like <laughs> not a thing, you know, but I just, I love watching you guys as a family kind of work through all of this and just roll it out, man. It's, I'm really excited for you guys. Well, thanks. It's, it's definitely been a blast and super exciting. And, um, you know, we just love coming out with, with cool stuff, man. And uh, it, it's been really fun to watch, you know, the team. Uh, I mean, the, the team at Tethered is the greatest team in the world. Obviously, I'm biased, but the, just the, the, the different minds that are there and how everybody kind of has their own little specialty and how that has all come together is like really, really, really special. And, um, you know, the products are just super cool. Like, um it's been a really fun ride to be on and I'm just so thankful to have a tiny little part of it um, is really cool. But I, I'm, I'm very excited for people to, to get this lockdown on their butts and, um, and, and get to like experience the comfort because it is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. So before I let you go and I've only got an hour today, uh, I wanted I wanted to kind of pick your brain. So what out of state trips are you doing this year? Uh, so I will be, let's see, uh, September elk 
okay. uh, in Colorado. There's none uh, there. None there. None. And uh, especially not in the unit I'm going to. So we'll have to figure out what unit that is. Who knows? Uh, and then from there, um, we go do a Sika hunt in, in in October, early October, on the eastern shore of Maryland, which is an absolute freaking blast. Uh, Sika deer, if anybody has never hunted them, are like the most addicting, uh, fun creatures. I guess I technically already went on my first hunt of the year. I just got back from Texas uh, on an axis deer hunt, which was awesome. Those things are a blast. They're like elk and whitetail had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um there will not be another year that goes by that I don't go chase those because they are that much fun to hunt and they're delicious. Um, and then October, I'm going to Illinois uh, for a whitetail hunt. And then uh, I drew Kansas this year. So I'm going to spend a lot of time in Kansas trying to kill a really good whitetail. Um, and then back to Texas in December and that's it. So well, show we'll take show season easy. starts. Yeah, so so ETA show and yeah. uh, shop show and uh, all the MBS and sports sync and fun stuff. So yeah, it's um it's a blessing that my wife wants me gone because I'm certainly not home. <laughs> yeah, I, you know it's it's one of those things with my wife. I was talking to her about it, and he's like, you know, I as we've progressed in the industry, and I was telling her, I was like, you know, these are some of the these are some of the things you have to do. The spring is show season and then there's turkey season. And she's like, dude, we're going to have to be so diligent about family time. Like it, you're going to have to like really help me. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Because me, I would just get caught up in the season. I'm like, Hey, let's, let's go. I don't know what this is, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> um, I'm envious of you, man. I, I'll tell you, I'll talk to you about this afterwards. I don't want to say this on air, but we'll talk about this afterwards. I have an, I have an idea. No. For another hunt. I have another hunt for you that you should put on your calendar. That might be really fun, but. Okay. Well, I, it's, um, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's definitely a tough balancing act, man, because if you're not careful, it'll be divorce season. Right. So you like, it's important to spend time at home and like be present, but it's so tough with these damn cell cameras are always pinging and like, so I run anywhere from like 55 to 60 cell cameras here uh, okay. in DC. And um, I mean, I use them, at, they're a tool, right? Like I need to know where the deer are. Uh, the deer tend to kind of have like a circuit here. So I try to be as efficient as possible in my time to not be just gone hunting. Like if I'm in a tree, I fully expect to come to full draw and and bloody an arrow or two. Um, but the you know i i have to use cell cameras to kind of cycle through that and it makes it very difficult to not convince yourself to go hunt because you're like oh man like the deer are there right now i can smash this deer right Mm -hmm. so you have to be kind of careful and i try to be very very present um you know at home well, dude, I, I appreciate you. I, I'd love to link up with you one day. And uh, I I, had one, I wanted to do it in person, but, you know, here we are. Uh, I don't ever get out much. Adam Miller will tell tell you that uh, I never travel. I sent you I sent you a special on, on cell cams in case you... Yeah, didn't. thank you. Yeah, hence the Hobbit thing, right? You're just yeah. stuck in your car. You're making yeah. little curtains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Georgia, Florida, Alabama, this little, little trifecta right here. I just never really leave very much beyond that. But I don't have to. I got, all, I got everything I need right here, by and large. Um, 
So, and time is precious, like you said, but I appreciate you carving out time to talk on the show, man. This, um, every time I say it, it gets a little easier, but shutting down chasing tails is kind of, kind of painful. This has been a passion project for the last, since 2018, which is crazy. Um, but all things come to their end and there's another story around the corner, another chapter to things. So I really appreciate you, man. Hey man, great run. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, you're the man and I hope that we can get together and uh, put you on some urban critters here sometime soon. Hell yeah, dude. Let's make that happen. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks. <laughs>